0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite
1: the story of Craig Avon, Ireland, and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God.
0: We hope you enjoy listening to this message.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Dolores. Good afternoon, everyone else, aside from Dolores, in the room the, this morning. Uh, good good to be together. Um, we, we kicked off. Obviously, we've been on a bit of our summer rhythm, summer months, which is slightly different sort of a feel that's going on with it. But um, last week, Phil began to introduce, we're going to be taking you through the book of James over the rest of uh, our weeks here over the summer months. This really great, practical, but yet rich, life-giving book. Uh, and last week, Phil focused on James one verse one. Didn't really get very far, sure he didn't. Uh, James one verse one, amazing teach that he brought last week. Uh, and this week, we're going to just continue to explore the rest of James chapter one. We're going to read that um, together just in a little while, as as we go through. And and this is the hope as we do this. You know the reality that for all of us, who just realize there's there's a word that the Spirit desires to speak to you personally this morning. There's certain things that I felt the Lord speak to me through the reading of James chapter one this week, which I want to bring to you. But the, what I want to do at the very beginning, we're going to actually take time to just read the passage and allow the Spirit to speak to you because He desires to do that. Before we do, before we jump into it, just there was an image that caught me this week. And uh, and as I looked at this image, it reminded me, I guess, a lot of our church family, right? And I recognize that there's lots and lots of different personalities in the room, And so I saw this, I saw this during the week, some of you might have seen this online, and this reality that for introverts and extroverts, they engage with church just in different ways. And so for many of the introverts, the ones, you know, just would rather just be in their own in the wee corner, dark space somewhere, you know, on their own. This is how they view, like, coming to church on a Sunday. And so if you were here at the beginning, you would have been part of the amazing moment when Rick says, turn around and say hello to some people sitting around you. Some of you absolutely love that moment. Some people absolutely detest (laughs) that moment. For the introvert, when it comes to this, particularly on a Sunday, this is how they prepare in their mind. So from 6 a.m. through to 9 a.m., this is roughly what they would be saying. They're preparing to turn and greet their neighbor Right, there's a three-hour preparation in this moment because this is, like, this is a big, big, big moment for the introverts. And then they have in their heads, they're thinking somewhere, somewhere between nine and quarter past nine, somewhere in there, I'm actually going to have to turn and greet my neighbor. They've prepared this. And then they've pretty much booked out the rest of the day to recover from having to turn and to greet their neighbors. For many people... As they come to church, maybe this is why some people don't actually come until like, after we do this part, and people come a bit later into church. For some people, they hate it, and yet for other people, like we were, I shared this with staff, Gemma and I were, were saying, you know, we're the sort of people that just want to go and sit like in the busiest part so that we can get more hugs and get speaking to more and more people as we do it. The beautiful part, the beautiful way is with the Scriptures is that we all have different personalities introverts, extroverts, internal processors, external processors, people who engage in lots and lots and lots of different ways. And yet, the Scriptures and what we even read this morning and we see in the letter of James, it speaks to us all. As the Lord comes, regardless of our personalities, there's a Word that He speaks to all of us. And so, what we do, so for all of us, there's an expectation, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? where I'm at in this moment, would you speak to me?" And so we're going to just open the Scriptures. Before I bring what I feel the Lord's led in my heart, I want you to hear from the Lord yourself. And so we're going to read James chapter 1. It's all going to be on the screen. You can follow along as you go through as well, as we journey through with this. But James chapter 1 says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, To the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its works so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. It blossoms, falls, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even when they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life, that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, get the heart of James in this, speaking to all of us. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Listen up. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth, the evil desi- an evil that is prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. and yet, do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Let's just take a moment, can we, just in stillness, allow the Spirit just to whisper even to our own souls this morning. Father, what we have read, would You now impress it, God, into our very hearts and our very beings? Thank You that Your Word is alive, Your Word is active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank You that You speak to us through it. And so we just pray, God, now even as we continue just to to glance at this further, I just pray, God, give us ears to hear what You're saying this morning. And just lead us forward, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, so this this guy, James, who's, who's written this book, um, I had one of those moments where there was, like, I'm going to reflect about lots and lots of many different ponderings and reflections I've had this week, which has led to part of what I'm sharing. But one of my ponderings was this guy, James, like, who hey, really is he? And so you do what you do in those moments when you're really doubting and you phone Phil, right? Somebody phone Phil. This 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 is what happens to me. So I FaceTime Phil and I just want to know, right? So let's talk about this guy, James. I know there's James and John, the sons of Zeppeli, so it's not him and we're saying this is Jesus his brother, and, and yet in Luke chapter 9, there's a list of the 12 disciples, and it says that this guy, James, is part of the 12, a son of Alphaeus, and my head's exploding all over the place, and I'm like, Phil, help me out with my crisis of faith, what's going on in this moment, and Phil, we, we have this conversation that's spiraling out, and we're learning from each other, and the reality is, while there's part of an unknown who Alphaeus maybe fully is, and I don't think we fully landed on an answer as we discussed it. The reality and the truth that we need to hold on to with this, what Phil brought last week. This guy, James, regardless of whether he's part of the original 12 or not, he was a leader in the church. But the thing that was really crucial that Phil brought last week, James was actually the brother of Jesus. Right? So grasp this. James was the brother of Jesus? We've just finished a series. Before we started into this, remember our series. We can. I sometimes take real mind blanks. I can barely remember what I did this morning. But we just finished a series called "From Familiar to Fascinated," and the reality is, with this James, the brother, of, you can't get much more familiar than this the brother <laughs> of Jesus, someone who's being brought up where Jesus was being considered as a sibling. Whether he was brother or half-brother, we don't know, right? But he's, he's being brought up as, as a sibling. Someone, something within James, though, had been caught and stirred that had moved him from what felt like the familiarity of being brought up with a sibling, you know what it's like if, with brothers and sisters, with that, the ordinariness, that's not a proper word, but or, I'm using that, ordinariness of what that can often feel. Like suddenly something had stirred within him that allowed him to be moved from that place of just brother to now worship him as Lord and Savior, and Messiah. And James, this what he is trying to portray to the church and to allow us and to lead into. This is my prayer for us today that even as we just concluded with that series, similarly it would be today for us, that even in what feels like the normality of even what we read in some of these verses, the normality of even as we go through these summer months, this is my prayer that we would catch in fresh ways have a fresh understanding of who Jesus is and how He is relating to us, and that we would engage with Him in fresh and wondrous ways. James moves beyond just seeing Him as an earthly brother, sees the divinity that is alive in Him. And James, what he does with us, and this is pretty much what the book of James is about, as he has watched his brother, as he has seen him live out his life, and particularly in those latter years, There's something about the reality of what real, genuine faith looks like that Jane has witnessed, he has seen, he has evidenced it in his brother, Jesus, that suddenly has come alive in him, that has made him realize that this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God that has allowed him to sidestep. This is just my brother. He's moved past all of that and he's been caught and he's come alive in the love. And this is what James is now trying to articulate to the church it's like he's saying to everybody, this is what genuine faith looks like. I've seen it in my brother. And he's trying to portray it to the church. Brothers and sisters, this is what faith in Jesus Christ is all about. And this is why we would say it's a very practical book. It is, but it's a very hard-hitting book. As we call ourselves believers, as we call ourselves followers of Jesus, this is the level of life and love that we're being called into. Genuine faith looks like something the guys over the next number of weeks are going to be unpacking each of the chapters as we go through, and we're going to be able to glimpse a little bit more closely what some of the different ways that this practical faith starts to play out. So, just three simple points, first and last, or a bit more quicker. Three simple ways that I felt spoken to this week that I just want to leave with us this morning. When it comes to this idea of genuine faith and what it actually looks like, what James starts to uh, allow us to see is that genuine faith means that for all of us in our lives, there's these moments where it means that we have to endure with patience. Sometimes isn't the sort of word you want to hear. And yet James, he's seen this in his brother He's seen this lived out in his life, and this is what he's calling the church to for those that are coming alive, that this is almost like this is what he wants to just portray through his whole letter that he starts to bring to the majors on this reality, and he's saying even when life is tough like spiritually in moments of even temptation, even when it's tough physically and emotionally, even moments of persecution, or even when we go through moments of trials, like keep going Keep pressing on. Listen to some of the verses we did read earlier. It says this in verse 2 to 4. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. But perseverance finishes its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Remind again, he said that in verse 12. It says, Blessed is the one who perseveres, keeps going under trial. The images that James uses in here, because he talks about who perseveres under trial, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. He starts to bring out this imagery, and he starts to almost call the church into it about the level of maturity that we can grow into. He starts to talk about things like... um, and finishing the work, he starts to talk about rewards. There's more, and there's more, and there's more, and there's more for us to step into. And remember, this, this, what we read as a book, was a whole letter that James has written. And what we actually see as you read it from start to finish, you start to see that James actually bookends almost the beginning and the end of his letter all around the same thing, like keep going. So we read this in chapter 5. Um, and it says this in verse 7, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Verse 11, we give great honor to those who endure under suffering. James' encouragement is loud and clear. And I want you to hear it this morning again as if it's for the first time. James' encouragement is keep going on. Keep going. This is almost like the call of the cry of heaven over us. Through James to us as sons and daughters. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep going. It's similar to Jesus' commendation of the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelations. And uh, He simply says, I oh, don't know where I'm going with this. I don't know where that verse is. It's not on the screen, but it simply says this, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance, and he's saying this to the church, I know this, he, he almost like he cheers them on, I see your perseverance that you have, and I wonder how many times James witnessed this in his brother's life, he'd seen one who perseveres just kept going on. And I'm sure, particularly in his latter life, when he saw him in his ministry and he witnessed him as he faced trials and all sorts of and persecution, Jesus just kept going on and going on. As, as they looked on as earthly brothers and sisters with love, as Mary looked on as a son, there was a heart of love for Jesus. And yet there came this point where they began to even witness the kingdom of heaven's coming alive through this man to start to see something of heaven that is just calling out and reaching out to them. And this is the encouragement. This is first point done, but simply what I just want to just reiterate this morning, the encouragement of heaven to each and every one of us, keep going. For many of you maybe who have been part of a journey of faith that's felt like for years now, and it's, it's just getting dry, it's just felt like, I don't know if this makes sense anymore. I don't know if I'm feeling it. Perhaps some of you maybe here are new to faith, some of you maybe have not engaged in a faith relationship with God at all, this is, this is the heart, heart cry and heart invitation of heaven. Keep going. Keep pressing on where you're at. Keep pressing on for all that lies ahead for us this morning, even with the difficulties, and this is where James speaks into even in the midst of some of the difficulties that we face in life. Keep pressing on. To take hold of that which lies ahead of you. you. Keep pressing on. And yet often, if we're being honest, one of the reasons that stops us from persevering, I don't think it's just me, but one of the reasons that stops us persevering is because of the voices that we hear from other people. Words that we hear from other people in our lives what we see and we experience even in culture and those around us in society, which their words and their voice and their narrative just beats with a different rhythm than that of the kingdom. And yet we are so easily influenced by the words of other people. And because of that, we so easily stop. And we don't persevere because of what other people would say. And this is why it leads me to the second part, and the main point of what I want to say today, this really well-known word. And James says this, if you want to live into a measure of genuine faith, if you want to experience what this genuine faith is about, and this is his encouragement, then we need to recognize that genuine faith longs to listen. This really well-known verse <laughs> this is the main thing. I just want to say it today. My dear brothers and sisters, James says. And listen to this before we go on to read the rest. We know it well, I'm sure. But he says this, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Like stop. Stop right there. It's like he wants you to sit up. He wants you to just, like, not just quickly just skim on. it, but Like, it's take note of this. My dear brothers and sisters, there's something significant about for you as you try to live into the measure and a new measure of what genuine faith is about. Take note of this. And we know these words. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. One of the disciplines that James and many of the early believers had identified in the life of Jesus that they had realized the significance of and desired to pra- practice personally was to be a people who intentionally created space to listen. And James, James was trying to encourage this, firstly, probably encouraging even in their relationships with one another. We, we would talk about this quite a bit, you know, in... In marriage preparation courses in, in counselling settings, when there's breakdowns between people relationally, one of the things that we encourage people to do is we get in space, we mediate a conversation, and between the two. So let's let's just say, for example, right, there's a big issue between Phil and Rick, right? The two of them have like fallen out with one another, right? And so we're mediating. Imagine, right? And it will never happen. But it just imagine us. So, like, Phil has got issues with Rick's hairstyle, for example, right? And just, just isn't liking it. And something about it. And so, there, there's this, something that's happened with us. And so, what we're doing is we're mediating a conversation. And one of the things which we do with the people is we cause them to reflect back. And so, as as Phil starts to share what his issue is, and it's more than just the hairstyle. There's something else that's going on. What we encourage people to do is to, to reflect or to mirror back. Okay, so, so what I hear you saying is... And Rick would reflect back. It's obviously something more than a hairstyle thing, right, that's going on here. He'd reflect back, and Phil would say, no, 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 that's, that's not what I'm saying. And Phil would so we would encourage, well, why don't you say again what it is? And until it gets to a point where, where Rick's able to say, as he mirrors back, what I hear you saying is, and suddenly Phil's like, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that is what I'm saying. You see, in this moment when James, as he's calling us to, is that we would be a people that would be quick to listen. We need to understand the reality and the significance of what it is to genuinely listen. When it moves beyond our feelings, when it moves beyond some of our thoughts, which are so easily misled by, but what is truly being. So, in terms of our relationship connections with one another, this is why it's really important. Don't just quickly fly off the handle. Don't just feel like you've got to say something just for the sake of it. Don't be getting angry, James is saying. Actually, be quick to listen. Take time to genuinely listen. And it's not as if, you know what it's like for parents where as they're with their children, would you just listen to me? Sometimes even in our conversations between one another, would you just listen to me? It's not that we're saying, would you just allow me just to spout off the thing that I want to say, just so I feel like I've ticked my box and I've said it. It's like, would you actually listen to me? Would you hear what I'm saying? Would you take it in?" And this, this is what James is trying to impress with in terms of our relationships, but yet for us, what James is trying to lead us into is that when it comes to this idea of what genuine faith in Jesus is all about, it begins ultimately with this place of, are we in a place of really listening to God? And I'm not talking about, are you quickly skimming over a verse just for the sake of ticking a box to say you've done your quiet time? Are we genuinely creating space and capacity in our life to listen to God? And this is where I, I want to say this So. Back to where I began, the introverts, extroverts, internal processors, external processors, we've all got different ways of doing things, right? And yet, James says, everybody, take note of this. Regardless of your personality, style, and whatever way you like to engage, everyone take note of this. You must be quick to listen. Like genuine listen. As the father desires to speak, you must be quick. The listen. James calls the early church to step into this deepening level. Again, we need to hunger after the voice of God. In the fourth century, as the, as the Roman Empire went into decline, a group of Christians who became known in church history as the Desert Fathers and Mothers, they, um, they were a group of people who were just hungry for more of God in their lives. And what happened was they went, they went from Roman Empire and they moved into the desert just in the north of Africa. So they went into this really isolated, desolated place. And they went into with an intention of just one or two things. Firstly, they went into this space. They were intentional of in moving into this space so that they could get time for prayer with God and that in this, in this moment of prayer, that again, that it wasn't just about them being able to say the things of God that they wanted to say. They were creating space and capacity so that they could listen to the Father. And they had this line that went like this, that said, we retreat from the world for the world. We retreat from the world for the world. You see, to be a person filled with a level of genuine faith, which affects not just our own souls, but the world around us, and to live as active and genuine believers in our day, we need to hunger almost with a desperation to hear the voice of the Father. Like the desert fathers and mothers, we need to cut off the noise around us from other people, from devices, from whatever else easily takes our attention so that we can withdraw. And I'm not talking about trying to almost like live like monks where you're not engaging with anybody, but I'm saying where is we create space and time in our day, in our moments, where it's just us alone with God, everything else shut off. The distractions of those around us because this is important to us, the relationship and the connection that we have with the Father and the desire to live into this measure of genuine faith, it all begins in this moment of, are you quick to listen? What are some of the things that we're quick to do instead? Some of the things that we give our time to, and yet James is saying, be quick to listen. How do we create the space force. It reminds me of a passage well-known in Matthew 16 and 17. We're not going to take time to read it, but you know what it's about? It's it's all about the transfiguration where Jesus goes up a mountain, and it's in this place. This is the significance. As Jesus goes up in the mountains, this is his, His place of encountering God. This is like for the desert fathers and mothers. This was His place of withdrawing and getting away. And He goes up this mountain with Peter, James, and John, which led me into my phone call with Phil. It's like, it's a different James, right? So we were chatting about this, and, uh, and as they go up the mountain into this place, the disciples, they get a glimpse of a true measure of encounter. They see Jesus' face and His clothes shine brilliant white. Moses and Elijah, the ones who represented the law and the prophets, appear, and there with all of heaven, they place all the glory and all the honor on Jesus. And yet again, like, even as I think about this, this is just where my, my mind just, my mind's in other places as I read this, and that's where I start to question. This time, we read about this in Matthew chapter 16 and Matthew 17 because these guys were up the mountain, they witnessed it, and they recorded for us. I wonder how many other times when Jesus went up in the mountains and as He got time alone with the Father, was there those moments where just heaven touched earth? In those moments of encounter when, when God spoke clearly and Jesus created space to listen, and we probably would have heard these words, for example, that, that you would see, I'll come back to that in a wee second, where heaven would have said this, this is my son whom I love, and I'm so well pleased. I wonder how many times Jesus heard these words clearly from His Father as He created space and capacity and time aside from the distractions of the world. You're my son, I love you, and yet... Heaven, the command that is given in this moment of the transfiguration, this is the word for the father, where James is almost trying to reiterate this to the church. This is my son. Listen to him. Like genuinely listen to him. Allow yourself to be stirred and to be moved by the words of the Son. And so theologians believe that where the, the transfiguration happened was in Mount Hermon. And this is it here, it's ten thousand foot climb. And so for Jesus, when it says he withdrew up a mountain, it's much more than he went for a nice wee walk in Newcastle. <laughs> right? We need to recognize this, almost the scale and the significance that Jesus placed in this, that he would like intentionally climb for miles and miles and miles and miles to be able to just get time alone with the Father because He was hungry for these moments of just engaging and hearing the Father speak to Him. And the reason why is because you've heard me talk about this before, so I'm not going to take loads of time on this, but the agape love of God that has just won us. For God so loved the world, for God so agape loved the world, the sacrificial type of love that had come alive, that had won us this type of love that Jesus came to demonstrate to us, you see, once we come alive within it, this is where God speaks us over Jesus. This is my beloved son. The Greek word for this, it's a noun version. Julie Timlin was in the first service and I was asking, is it a noun? I wasn't sure if it was or not. The, the, the word for this, there's a play of words in this, is this word, agapetos. And it means this, my beloved son, my beloved daughter. My son whom I love with this agape love. My daughter who I love with this agape love. You are the agapetos of God. And this is why... Jesus regularly just withdrew. Yes, there was times where he wanted to listen to the Father specifically say, Father, what's the next assignment? Who's the person that I need to engage with? There was a large part of that. But above it all, what Jesus desired more than anything else to hear, while there's so many other voices in Jesus' lives, accusatory voices, lots of different things that were going on, hard times he's pressing in, and yet the reason why he wanted to get time alone was that he just longed, longed to hear heaven say, Agapetos. My beloved, my beloved son, I love you. And you know, this is, this is the significance of those wee quiet times that you do in the mornings. And your time alone with God, again, it's not just so that we can say we've completed something, but it's so that we can long... And we can long, and as we linger in his presence, to hear heaven speak to us. We're in those moments. Our very sonship, our daughtership is affirmed by God. And it's in this moment when we, become, we realize that our hearts have been captured and captivated by the love of God that is now deep alive inside of us. We are the agapetos, the ones, the beloved of God. Suddenly, it changes everything. This is the moment when we get set free from everything. you know where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God? It's like when we're seeking this first. I was praying with someone this morning off the back of it, and there's some of the realities of some of the struggles that we go through in life. It's not the down place, but when we seek this first, when above it all, this is the thing that satisfies us the most, is to hear heaven say, I love you. This is what James was saying. Be quick to listen. When you've got other influences of other voices and other things that will sway you and try to direct you and formulate lots of your, your opinions and your patterns in life that will try to do that, it's like, no, be quick to listen to God. I love you, my son and my daughter. And then finally, and the guys are going to come just as we do this, the final part that this leads us to is that when we are those who the love of God has come alive, as James says, so genuine faith, it endures with patience, it longs to listen. But when that love starts to come alive inside of us, that sacrificial love, it means that you're less likely to be self-seeking and to be focused just on yourself. And suddenly we become the church that looks to the least. The words that James actually uses for this is the verse, and this word finishes, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein. On their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Man, there's before we read on there. There's a strong one right there. How do you guard your tongue? One of the guys is going to pick up on that in chapter three in a couple of weeks, so we'll just leave that to them. All right, but how how do you guard your tongue and the things that we say, just the loose words? Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this. Hearts that have come alive with the agape love of God, the agapetos, the ones that look out for others. Religion that God says is pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans, to look after widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The amazing agape love of God, we spend time listening and learning from it. John says, this is how we get to learn We love. we can love because He first loved us. We become changed and transformed by that sacrificial love. It's what causes people of genuine faith to not be inward looking, but to be looking out for those around us. This is why every day in his devotion, we do this in a lot of our discipleship environments. Phil causes us to ask this question, so what's God saying? It's really important, but what am I going to do about it? As those that have come alive for the love of God, the us, filled with the love of God, how do we live this out? I'm thankful that we have people in our church who care for orphans, through fostering, through adoption. There are those in our church that are just amazing at looking out for, for widows, There's those in our church that are really significant at helping the poor in our community, helping the sick, when our eyes can be lifted off our own selves and our own circumstances and starting to be those that have come alive and full of the love of God, we are the agapetos, mm-hmm. the ones that suddenly now just want to live out that love. But this is where it begins, and the guys are just going to lead us in a song, and I'm going to just pray off the back of this for a couple of things. Where it all begins is this, and with this, we we finish. If there's one thing you can hear from what I'm saying this morning, it's this. Don't allow yourself to settle for a version of Christianity and of relationship with God where you never hear Him speak to you. Don't allow yourself to settle for a version of Christianity where you have to hear from other people. What I want you to hear this morning is that what is available to all of us, as we are quick to listen, and intentionally listen, is that we can hear the Father say, I love you. My Agapetos. So I, I would love you to just stand with me. We're just going to sing a song that almost just worships and prays this over our lives. And then I'm going to just pray briefly for us just as we close. But stand with me, will you? This song, um, I Am Your Beloved, it's a song you've maybe heard before. But the guys are going to sing it, just verse and of chorus just a couple of times and with us. Let's just sing this and allow the words just to wash over our souls just as we close, just in reading this passage.
0: the accusations, I've heard the propaganda, I've heard the lies that whispered to my soul, that I have been forsaken, I'll always be forgotten. Thank you. To me
1: Father, so we, God, this is our, this is our prayer, God, to you this morning, but God, even in a reminding, God, to our own souls, God, we just allow those words just to wash over us. I thank you, Father, that we are considered the beloved because of the the love that you have demonstrated to us through Jesus, how you have paid the price and won us, God, with your love. And yet I thank you, God, that in this place of being the beloved of God, that Jesus, you desire to lead us and to encounter us. God, I pray that it's in that space, God, of knowing who we fully are before you, sons and daughters, one by your love, fueled by your love, living out your love. God, I pray that we would be intentional in being those who would withdraw from the world for the world. I pray, Lord, over us all, God, this day, but I pray, Lord, over us even in these summer rhythms, God, in these summer months and in an ongoing way, Lord, there would be stuff a rhythm that would be established within us where we just hunger and thirst for you above all else. To position ourselves and to center ourselves with you, Father, almost like Jesus going up the mountain. To allow ourselves to hear you speak over us and affirm us, you are my beloved. God, I just pray, Lord, that as we do that, Lord, it would just arrest our hearts. It would free our souls. God, where other things would want to hold us, God, and capture us, God, and keep us captive and held in a place, God, where we just feel like we can't move or maneuver. God, I just pray it would be a freeing moment. God, I pray even today, Lord, and in this room and in this gathering, God, for those maybe have just felt like where their life and their journey with you has been going nowhere. Lord, I just pray, Lord, a freeing moment right now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray a freeing moment in the name of Jesus, God, where you would just set us free because of your love that has come alive within us. God, I pray even, Lord, for those in the room this morning. God, maybe if there's any individuals, God, who have even questioned even around life and the worth of going on. God, we hear the words that James even speaks this morning of keep going on. We press on, God, to take hold. And God, I just pray that today as we center ourselves in your love afresh, God, I pray that our joy would be made complete, God, not because of what is happening around us necessarily in our lives, but because we just know that we are yours. We are loved by the Father. I just pray for the hunger to grow in our lives, to hear those words afresh each and every day. So, Father, we say we love you. What a joy that it is to be your children, your sons, and your daughters. And we thank you for your love. We just repeat and reflect back to you. We love you. Bless us and be with us, God, the rest of this day. And bless us this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Guys, if there's anybody who just would love prayer this morning, there's a few people waiting behind off the back of the first service, we would love to pray with you. There's space at the front with us here. Where we just pray the blessing of God over you this week and all you do. Kids are in kids' ministry. Let's go get them as well. And God bless you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church
0: and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.